Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to all our patrons who are supporting us directly for just the price of a cup of coffee or, as I discovered this morning, 750 grams of Tesco brand sardine and tomato paste. You can join them and get access to our full-length ad-free show, listen and chat with us as we record live, and get our Patreon-exclusive show, Extra Message. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. It's been a rain-soaked week, but I hope your garden sheds are now slippery and pliant to support this year's crop of garden snails. <laughs> One man who was born slippery and pliant and remained so for 40 years is Ian Morris. Sir, how are you this week? Uh, well, both slippery and pliant, it Well, seems. I knew that. I've known um, that for years. Decided to um, slap my buttocks at Facebook. Go on. Well, I said on Twitter that uh, uh, the, the WhatsApp uh, terms and conditions have come in, haven't they now? So you have to accept or they're going to start taking away access. Uh, like, first of all, you won't be able to see your contacts list and stuff like that. Um, and, they, and they posted this kind of sort of sort of smug tweet, you know, like, let's get on with this kind of thing. I'm going to have some coffee and start taking WhatsApp away from people who don't want Facebook spying on every aspect of their life. Hmm. So I said I would... Um, I would drink a nice coffee of my own when the Facebook empire falls and uh, then I would expose my buttocks and then I would slap my exposed buttocks uh, at and then I would scream, I reject your terms and conditions. Well, that will be an owl delight, won't it? Being uh, well, absolutely slipperiness and... Uh, and, and the and, buttock uh, slappage and the screaming. Hmm. Excellent. Well, um, we should probably talk about some technology, but... Uh, thanks, oh, are you sure? Thanks for that very, very interesting introduction, uh, unscripted and unplanned, uh, as it was uh, in its latter part. Uh, the BBC was amongst the many, many outlets that covered the publication of the government's draft of the online safety bill, which, per the Beeb story, means social media firms will have to remove harmful content quickly or potentially face multi-billion pound fines under new legislation. The bill was announced in the Queen's speech and comes with a promise of protecting debate and, in particularly, in particular, safeguarding children. Critics say the draft plans suggest the bill will result in censorship and proposed fines aren't actually threatening enough. Now, it covers a huge amount of detail. I downloaded the, uh, the PDF version, which uh, I counted. It runs to almost 150 pages. There's another 123 pages of notes not included in that number. Uh, and of those 150 pages, it's 60,000 words. That's the same length as the 19th century equine classic Black Beauty, uh, <laughs> as Google told me, or perhaps the fraction more appropriate uh, 
uh, Brave New World, the dystopian sci-fi novel from Aldous Huxley. Uh, however, unlike that book, uh, this draft doesn't reference artificial wombs or childhood indoctrination programs, but does put a huge emphasis on state-level intervention of content that could be damaging to future generations. So there is a tangential similarity there, I think. The bill wants to tackle as well terrorism content, disinformation on social media, online racist Ah. abuse and pornography, uh, plus scams such as romance fraud and fake investment opportunities. The former um, of those latter two we did discover, uh, we did discuss in detail actually back in, I think, February. Um, the, The romance fraud in particular got some great feedback from that too. So in a nutshell, this draft bill, which is now subject to MP debate and will later be ratified as an act uh, such as is appropriate um, proposes the legislative framework for keeping social media and internet companies accountable for removing the content like that mentioned above from their platforms and doing so quickly it will put Ofcom in charge of managing this and handling user appeals and it will also interest Ofcom to develop the codes of practice uh, by which the internet companies that I'll kind of go without saying. You all know who the who the likely candidates are here. Um, we'll have to ab- ab- abide by. We don't have any of those yet. However, what we do know is that Ofcom will be able to issue fines of up to eighteen million pounds, not very much money there, or ten percent of global turnover. Now that's the one where the billions potentially come in, uh, and uh, whichever is highest is is what the government, uh, or at least what this draft bill says, uh, will be. Uh, will be used um and that's obviously if firms fail to comply with the new rules as proposed ofcom will also have the power to block access to websites in the uk now the bbc also noticed that uh noted that the largest and most popular social media sites they're the ones classed as category one services in case you ever hear that term in future uh, will also need to state explicitly in their terms and conditions how they will address uh, the so-called legal harms now i went through this painfully dense bill uh, there are some other nuggets that i've not seen talked about elsewhere so much uh such as penalties for not paying a fee if you're given once if you get given a bill and you don't pay it they'll send the virtual bailiffs in basically and also there can be a temporary service restriction put on companies if uh, Ofcom de- deems that it isn't dealing with a problem uh, that has significant potential harm quickly enough though Ofcom would need to apply to a court for some of this some of these actions Labour called the proposals watered down and incomplete which is to be expected what? Yeah. Uh, And said the new rules would do very little to ensure children are safe online. Now, I'd add to that that this bill in its current form says far more about what powers Ofcom will be given uh, and uh, and much less about sort of how it expects Ofcom to actually go about doing what it wants. And a lot of that will come uh, in time. So we we can't really talk about that. Uh, from a particularly informed standpoint just yet. Um, what does look promising, though, uh, to to you and uh, me, Ian, as, as journalists, is that news content, as it appears on a publisher's website, uh, wouldn't be covered, really, by this bill. Mm. But comments shared around our content on social media would. And a, a lot of the questions around the online harms bill have basically been, uh, how will censorship be prevented and taking down of legitimate um, uh, uh, debate, even if it is perhaps uh, 
more extreme in its leaning. Um, and another thing that I saw in the bill is that it recognises citizen journalists in addition to professional journalists at established media outlets. And I think the term citizen journalist is insanely vague, given that it will exempt a lot of people potentially from um, from being subject to whatever rules and restrictions are put in place in terms of like their ability or not to say, hey, you took down my incredibly racist, hateful piece of comment, but mm. I'm a citizen journalist and therefore that's against the code. So I think something along those lines needs tightening up. And elsewhere, the bill is much as you would expect. It's very, very dense, very hard to, to read, uh, makes nobody happy, and no one seems to agree that this will fix any of the underlying problems, which is that big tech nah. can't really be held to account and lies outside of the jurisdiction of the people imposing the bills upon it. That's well, where I got I to in terms I of my dissection. Say, I wouldn't say that it, it they lie outside. I mean, so the thing that I do think is good is that I, I, I think it's, with particular reference to social media, I think it's quite a good idea that the government or or the regulator is able to say, to say Facebook or Twitter, actually this particular post or whatever is either factually incorrect or uh, or a danger and we're, we're going to block it. it. You either get rid of it, or we're going to block it. Um, but either way, it's going. And I, so I can kind of say, I mean, like you, I think social media companies represent a very different, and, and, and I suppose online in general does represent a real challenge to government, because never before has there been something global. So it, it would be relatively easy to regulate British television or British radio or British newspapers. And uh, if I can because, just interject, and I yes, think of course. in those instances, Ofcom would be a and could be an effective body to execute that. Sure, yeah, that is absolutely. their remit historically for for, de- yeah. for decades. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, there's, I mean, you might argue that Ofcom's not very good at what it does. Um, I personally have had my challenges with it in the past, but yes, it's probably better that it goes to an organisation that has experience. But um. Yeah, but so online presents a real challenge. But these companies want to operate in the UK. Um, and therefore, I think we might have to accept the fact that the internet as a global thing is going to change and that not every country will allow companies to act act the way they do. And that could be quite important. For example, Germany this week said uh, absolutely not to Facebook's decision on WhatsApp um, and, and said that the... Um, the terms and conditions weren't acceptable. Uh, that might spread to the EU. Obviously, that won't affect the UK, although it might, the UK might opt to follow that path as well. Mm-hmm. So we should, you know, and I do think it's right that we're given control. I think it, if the Americans want to say yes to um, Facebook tracking WhatsApp messages in any way they want, I mean, obviously they can't see the content. We all know that, but I think it, it's not. There's nothing to stop Facebook from operating differently in every country in the world. And I think that maybe we should, there should be some focus on that, saying, actually, look, you know, as global as this is, it's great that you can connect with people all over the world, but uh, that's going to have to come with some restrictions based on local sensitivities. Also, I mean, I mean, I suppose Facebook has become such a monumental sort of disaster. I heard when they were talking about Trump returning to Facebook, um, I, I heard a Radio 4 interview with Cara Swisher, and I can't, I can't remember exactly what the words she said were, 
Um, but I think the sentiment was absolutely brilliant, actually. It was one of the most insightful things I've heard. She was like, look, you, you know, you've designed this thing. If you can't operate it safely, then that's on you kind of you know the, the the regulation needs to be around making sure that facebook can take action even if it says it can't um and if it can't take action then something needs to be done about it let's just remember that although you're picking out facebook there and much as I i'm not a huge fan of facebook no. this is, facebook is only one company involved in this and facebook has done things that allow it to be held to account for example with the oversight board we saw it <laughs> it weigh in you can have your opinion on it and many people do and certainly i do but this is going to apply to a hell of a lot more than just uh than just facebook you know this is going to apply to basically every social media company that operates in in britain and and could trickle down as we've noted earlier to citizen journalists and 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 in ways that no regulator really has ever said this is the best way of doing this there's no precedent set really i don't think uh, in a democracy for what is the most effective way to do this and to do it quickly. And and, and the, the word quickly appears a lot of times in this document. This isn't about letting something spiral out of control for many years. There are instances of the word being done quickly. And if it can't be done quickly, then this is the provision that we will empower an, a regulator um, to to do if, if a temporary measure needs to be put in place against it temporary restrict revocation of access um or something along those lines if it's not paying things quickly enough there will be pen- penalties for not paying quickly enough when, and some when of this you say is, not not paying things what do you mean well if you are given a fine if you are ah, right. if you were given a fine and you don't pay it quickly then you can then there are penalties associated with that again not very well defined ones at this point no. um, but ones that are designed to be preventative of things taking too long and taking up a lot of regulators time there, and there is a real sort of feeling that i have and probably some other people share that the government is um is sort of a little bit using big tech as a piggy bank um that you know there's there is definitely a, a sort of sense that some fines might be I don't know. It's it's an easy way to generate revenue, isn't it? If you if you're fining very wealthy social media companies or, this has been, or this big has, tech, this has been the argument for a long time, though. That, that a lot of Americans will probably have heard said, which is that you know Europe can't innovate its own giant tech companies, so instead it will tax the very successful American ones that have done a better job than we have. And I do believe that there is some truth in that, in that that is certainly how it appears. But I don't think that's what these bills are designed to do, because the idea is that those fines are never needed. The idea at well, least sure. with, with bills like this is we need to show that we're we're accountable. But I that's to, not going to be the case, though, is it? They're, they're going well, to be fines. It's I think, you know, the only thing that we have that we can compare to this as an analog is GDPR. And we have seen GDPR uh, hand out some very big Fines some historically yeah, not to my satisfaction though no and not probably uh, to many people's satisfaction and and they get appealed and some of them get overturned we talked about a fine the uh, Facebook got I think recently that that it had a successful appeal on although I don't believe that was GDPR um, but the fact is is that these things can run and run and run. And it, a lot of it comes down to, you know, how bullish is the the group in charge of, of policing them? And certainly for Europe, they are pretty heavy handed in some of this stuff. Ofcom, much less so, I feel. And I wonder whether it is the right body 
to be giving this much potential power to um and I don't I honestly have an opinion on it. I don't know. But my no, guess well, is I, that... I think we'll have to just wait and see with that. I mean, I don't... Ofcom has been quite ineffective, I think, at times. And I, I also... I'm trying to think of some of the, the the classic examples of things where Ofcom was sort of quite wet. I mean, it was always very wet around... Um, you know, th- there were numerous broadband issues that Ofcom yes never really did anything about advertising um, something as unlimited but with limits yeah, yeah unlimited like but with a fair usage policy well it's not unlimited yeah, and, then is it well no and failing to failing to really sort of crack down on security problems um like i, I think i mean talk 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 did eventually get a massive fine didn't it but it wasn't it wasn't the first time it had it had violated security and had problems as, as far as i can remember it, it, it's all sort of a bit lost to the mists of time now but i know that ofcom is not the most effective regulator and there've certainly been things that i've i've felt over the years i'll give you one example actually um i think ofcom should say to um virgin media you must allow customers to use their own routers on your network um mm. because i think it's um it seems like a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Like, this shouldn't be mandatory, but if you as a customer wish to connect a third-party piece of hardware to your network to use the broadband that is more effective at doing what it does than Virgin's and more secure, why shouldn't you be allowed to do that? I'm, I'm reminded of um, Cable Card in America. Cable Card was a, a system that enabled you to take a cable TV signal and le- legally and legitimately with a subscription decode it on a computer um, and it enabled all sorts of things like Windows Home Theatre whatever it was called um, you just put a cable card on your computer plugged in the cable feed and then you could sort of watch and record uh, shows it was mandated by the FCC and I always felt like that should be something that happened here and we've all got those sockets on the back of our TVs that have slots for conditional access modules but Sky, Virgin never allowed them to be produced for this market and I, I think that was one example of something where Ofcom was, was not acting in the, the you know in the best interest of consumers but was allowing you know these companies to just do what they want without any sort of implications whatsoever. That is wildly off topic, but it is a good example of one of my particular feelings that Ofcom's never been strong on. I think, well, I was going to say that because we've now, you know, uh, moved to talking about broadband, uh, it's a sign that we've exhausted our opinions on this topic. Well, but actually, no, you, I mean, but, well, no, but you've circled it back nicely, which is that it's that's an example of something that, in your opinion, Ofcom uh, should have done more to do and didn't. But I would say that the 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 pressure the impetus the societal impact and the fact that this affects so many people uh, and has a bill uh, being drafted like this one shows that this is far more serious basically this isn't yeah. about anti-competition laws this what is i'm about- what i'm what i'm concerned about here is that they're going very much down the route of say i mean and this is this is a a wild example but i'm not meaning it literally they're going down the chinese route of the government has the opportunity to say um actually we don't want this particular content and then suddenly you know you've got facebook blackouts and stuff like that now i don't as much as i dislike facebook as much as i think that there's a lot of garbage on twitter and i'd like to see it gone actually I think having open access to information, even if you don't necessarily agree with it, is very 
it, I would say it's troubling to get rid of it. Now, that isn't the same as political organisations spending a lot of money to influence people's opinions. Um, and, you know, there, there, is, there, are, there are two aspects of it, aren't there? There's the, the sharing of information amongst peers, um, some of which could be harmful, but ultimately... Uh, you know is it is it right to say that people don't have the opportunity to share what they want unless it's illegal um and then you and then on the other hand you've got the sort of the the allowance that the press is allowed to do what it wants now you're never going to get me or any other journalist saying that journalist journalism should be regulated but as you alluded to what how do you define what a journalist is especially if you're lumping in citizen journalism that's extremely concerning to me because we've already seen that the, the the British national press, the newspaper bit of it, isn't regulated sufficiently. Has consistently refused regulation. Uh, managed to get um, the second part of Leveson cancelled so that there would never be any meaningful regulation of the British tabloid and broadsheet press in this country. Still able to say pretty much what they want with impunity. They have to retract it sometimes, but we all know that doesn't work. You know, there, there is that. I don't want the press to be censored, but at the same time, I I think that the complete lack of regulation and the lack of sort of, I mean, real meaningful penalty is a huge problem in this country. I think the comparison to China for the quick blocking of content is an overstep, and. I pulled up the draft of the bill that I was referring to earlier when I was writing this script and all the instances of disconnects here and these interim service restriction orders all reference courts. Ofcom may apply to the court for an interim order under this section, blah, 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 in relation to a regulated service where Ofcom considers blah, 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 blah. And then later on, um, the court may make an the court may make an interim service restriction order imposing requirements on a person in relation to a related service if the court is satisfied. And there's a bunch of clauses that has, it has to be satisfied. You know so, what, though? So very quickly, what? just doing what China does and saying, we're going to add this website to a list, you can't access it, goodbye. It's not going to happen under this law. It's just but not. Perhaps not. Okay, fair enough. But here's the thing. Why do we need another law, uh, you know, this, this bill? Why do because we need Because they won't do it when... voluntarily. No, but that's not the point I'm making. The point is, we can already take company. You know, you can already go to the high court and re- request a blocking order. We we know that because it happens all the time with torrent sites. Um, at, you know, so th- so there is already a mechanism in place. Now, here is a question that neither of us is qualified to answer, but I'll leave it dangling as a question. And if you've ever read what David Allen Green writes on Twitter, I mean, he I, I'm sure he wouldn't do it, but he'd be a fascinating guest to have on. Um, why why do we need another bill to do this when the courts could already do it why would we not allow the legal system to manage things like this rather than legislating for it that you know we already have a court system that's capable of doing it like what what's the advantage of having a new set of powers brought into law it 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 troubles me well they but, haven't done you it know, it hasn't well, the current no. system doesn't work well but they could do it it's but like the- a lot of things it's it's like the old you know people immigrants coming over here and overstaying their welcome well the opportunity to take them away was always there it was just never exercised is this a part of that again as i said we can't answer the question true and the subtext to all this is that i believe this is what started out as the online harms uh bill didn't it and that was under theresa may's government and it's now yeah. under uh, boris but it but the, but the conservative thread has run through this conservative with a capital c there uh, the conservative party so there is essentially a way of saying well we said we're going to do this thing and we are still going to do it please vote for us 
um, because we're going to do this big thing. Think of the children. Yeah. And I think that's a big well, part of it. But it's, you know, it's always think of the children just before they take away your freedom. Unfortunately, it's a it's a massive excuse. But I and I, I, who knows what will end up coming of this but you know you mentioned pornography again that thing's back again you know the uh, that the, this presumably will lead into further debate about you know having age id online for accessing adult content again you know not working doesn't work can't work is impossible to make work um you know again all of this all bypassable presumably by vpns if you if you just don't want to access services in the uk just vpn out to the us yes and i did look up um pornography in this uh in this document and there are a lot of uh sections uh, about it um but we haven't really got time to go into that no on this it is i think you knew when you were putting this together that it was going to be an impossible task to get anywhere near it but um i'm sure it will come up piece by piece as the you know as the law develops if it gets voted through which of course it will because who can stop it? Well, we now have to wait for it to go to debate. That is the next step in this. It goes to uh, it goes to MPs to debate, and then it'll go back, and there'll be all the uh, subsequent rewrites and and bloody blah. So don't expect this to come anytime soon. But we will keep our eye on it for you, and hopefully break it down, uh, much like an enzyme would, um, in the gut of the government's torso or wherever that's going uh, but in the meantime you can let us know your thoughts feelings or opinions on this by sending us an email to uktechshow at icloud.com you're used to hearing the smooth velvet sound of nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an ian morris opinion Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Well, this week, HSBC, you've probably heard of it, that's a giant bank, um, it said that it's planning Zoom-free Friday afternoons for some of its UK staff. This is in an effort to tackle stress caused by working from home during the pandemic. The trial programme will follow a similar plan announced by many other firms to promote well-being amongst its employees. Uh, But this I thought was particularly interesting, and I'm referring to a BBC write-up here, um, that it comes as HSBC wants to shrink its office space by almost half in a pandemic shake-up. So... I wanted to talk about this partly so I can make a joke about uh, just moving to a Zoom competitor and saying we go Zoom free because we use Microsoft Teams now. Uh, But with that uh, very cheap shot out of the way, um, I'm otherwise massively in favour of this. And anyone who listened to uh, the most recent extra message will know that I talked uh, quite extensively about a banning email uh, scenario 
that was tested out that I was involved in recently? Patrons can um, listen to that now. Well, the problem with these kind of edicts from companies like HSBC is that that doesn't take into account what happens, you know, in the business. It's it's very easy for a manager to go, I know what would make everyone's life better. It would be no meetings on a Friday. Sure. But what happens if you, you know, have something that you need to deal with? I, You know, and it's like you, you feel awkward about asking. So it gets left. Maybe problems develop. Things go wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't, I hate these kind of, it should be, people should understand the pressures that video meetings put on people um, and apply them across the whole week. You know, no census meetings is a much more better, a much better rule than meet free uh, Fridays, I would say. You mean meet as in M-E-A-T, not meet as in M-E-E-T. <laughs> no, I mean meet as in M-E-E-T. <laughs> English hashtag English Me- meetings okay yeah because meetings there are companies free, yeah. that employ meet free Fridays well I mean and that's fine I would I would support that if uh, if, if if the employees were down for it but uh, you know I, I I don't think you should tell people what to do anyway um, yeah I it's an interesting idea but I think the problem happens in the other four days of the week as much as it does on Fridays. All that will happen is people will be smarter about calling each other up. Now, if you need to talk to somebody, you pick up the phone and give them a ring. That's what I yeah. found out when uh, not basically not sending emails for a week. Uh, it turns out you just think twice about whether you need to actually be in touch with anyone and you pick up the phone or you send them an IB, an instant message or something. Yeah. And I mean, it's I... great. I, you'd, yes, be ama- it you'd be amazed. I was amazed. Well, and it doesn't make a meaningful difference, does it? No, it makes a huge difference. Massive. Yeah, I can I can see that. But you've got what you've got to remember as well is that some people prefer to communicate electronically. Now, I'm certainly in this category. I, I, I'm much more comfortable typing things than I am having, you know, conversations with people. Uh, I know that's a ridiculous thing for a podcaster to say. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd take an email over a phone call anytime. For, for one thing... My memory is not good enough to remember the content of a phone call. So having an email means I can refer back to it. I think that I, I think that sometimes these rules can be put into place and they they they're meaning they're well meaning and, and decent in their origin, but they they don't take into account the wider needs of people um, and say, you know, like you could say, let's ban email completely and, and, and have all of our conversations face to face, which would, you know, it would be fine for some people, but some people would be genuinely stressed by that. Um, and and like me, you know, I have much better re- chance of remembering to do your job for you if you email me about it because then I can see it in my inbox. It's not always about a blanket rule being imposed. It's about doing an experiment, learning from it, and then employing yeah. that in the day. That's the main benefit that I took away from not emailing for a week is yeah you you just you just think more about emailing but this is yeah, about i mean, this, I, this but is I, about, think, I think that those are really great ideas in terms of making people think more about everything they do you know but i but i i feel like that's that's good but you what you what you tend to generate is a a sort of layer of people that sit outside of management and don't have the ability to argue with those statements or anything like that. You know, I think 
it, it's very easy for managers to sort of agree that they're going to do something, but then the people underneath just sort of have to abide by it. And what I what I find, and I, you know, I've, I can think of specific examples of this. It's it's like people just do what they're told a lot of the time because that's come from above. But they're, and then you what you find is that people aren't doing things the most effective way, or they're doing them in a way that doesn't make any logical sense. But they're not empowered to think about things. So whilst I think this is a perfectly good idea, I think the the message should be. We've noticed that there are way too many video meetings going on, or there are way too many long video meetings. Mm. Um, you know, here's here's what we want to do to sort of make it easier for you to cut down the number of meetings you have, or whatever. You know, I I, I just I, I've seen too much of it to to, un, to 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 really be behind it because I just know that people do what they're told. People are compliant, and and that might be stressing them out. Or they might be wasting energy doing things that don't need to be done or directing their energy in the wrong direction. In our chat, listening live, Kate says, if people learn to write emails properly instead of waffling and not actually writing what they want or mean, there wouldn't be a problem with these emails and the same goes for meetings. I I am am absolutely fatally bad at emails in that I refuse to dance around with chatter I, I, if you get if you get an email from me at work, it will almost certainly not start with "Hi, how are you doing?" Yeah, it would too. just be literally the content of the topic and nothing more. Uh, and, and I think some people see that. And this is, again, this is a really good example. Like that works for me, and because I I don't I don't need the chitter chatter in email. Like it's diff- obviously it's different every time. Like some people you might have chitter chatter with, but you know I I'm just like. I, I know what they're asking in the email and I just reply to that. And I, I think that, but that could be perceived as being quite rude and sort of aloof. And you have to be, co- you know, conscious of these kind of things because that's how you're perceived in the business. It's it's a, such a complicated thing, especially when you're not in an office with people. It makes everything 50 times harder. Maximum hardness, Metapod. Um, <laughs> that was a Pokemon joke. I've just, I, I got that. Good. Um, if you have an opinion on this, you can send us an email. Uh, certainly, that's the most efficient way of getting in touch with us, UKTechShow at iCloud.com. Um, however, our patrons who get Extra Message, our sister show, um, will hear me talk about the experiment I was a part of um, while I was sitting in a forest. And she was walking through a forest. That's why I record Extra Message these days. Uh, that's out on patreon.com forward slash UKTech. Let's uh, dive into some feedback. I had a couple of things I wanted to mention. Um, Firstly, just a fun one that came in from Matt. Uh, He says, Evening, this book came home for my seven-year-old to read. It made me giggle a little. I thought you'd like to see it. Keep up the brilliant show. And obviously, this is a visual visual thing here, um, but it is something I'm just going to pop into the Discord uh, so people can see it live, except that I can't because it's in this document. So never mind. Uh, But it is Nasty Nate's Pirate Adventure. Uh, from Oxford yeah. University Press and the blurb on the back says Nasty Nate's Pirate Adventure one minute Nate is playing his new computer game the next he's on board a pirate ship and that's from Oxford University Press and I noticed the absence of um, a couple of commas in that description but I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide because they've turned me into a pirate made me famous in a book thank you Matt dearly loved that um, the other bit we got in that I wanted to get to was from KV 
um, who says, with all the discussions around tracking privacy on iOS, I think it's time to recognize that the old tech media cliche of users don't care about privacy is incorrect. Since the introduction of the new privacy and permission controls, we're seeing a dramatic increase in users opting out when presented with the new iOS 14.5 dialogues. And we we talked about that last week. Um, A similar pattern was also observed on iOS and Android when the background location permission started rolling out the past couple of years. It's a good reminder of that from, um, was it last January, a couple of years ago, a year or so ago. Anyway, uh, KB says, my conclusion is that clear, accessible consent is key. When the option to be tracked is presented in an upfront manner, people do care and often will opt out. The company's tracking already knew this. Hence, historically, they'd employ obfuscation and or dark pattern design practices to mislead or deceive users into opting in. Keep up the good work. KV. Um, Nick in our live chat says, if that were so, a lot more people would reject Website cook, uh, website cookies. Yeah, but that is very different because obviously the website cookie thing is defined by the website, isn't it? It's how that is presented to you is by the design of the company. The Apple thing makes it so that the option is so simple and is explained that you have the opportunity to make an informed choice. How many of of us? And I'm sure you know we're, we're this is a a show for techies with techies in the chat we've all pressed that damn cookie button just to get rid of that bloody message so ultimately yeah um yes sorry i wasn't listening my dog was no i don't blame you um but i'm sure whatever you said will be fine i uh, was very salient excellent i'll be listening to it in uh in the edit anyway Thank you, KV, for that. Thank you, Matt. Thanks to everyone who has been listening live. Of course, text message does its very best to keep you informed about the British tech landscape, but we can, of course, always check in with Tom Merritt on DTNS, which I'll be on on Monday, by the way, again, if anyone's listening uh, in time. Um, And he's going to let us know what's been happening in the wide world of tech this week. Uh, Here he comes. This week in the wider world of tech on Daily Tech News Show, from the shutdown of the Colonial Pipeline to its restarting, to whether it paid $5 million in ransom, to how the ransomers shut themselves down, and why. We cover that whole saga and what it means to you. Also, the U.S. order on cybersecurity could make your own software safer. Why AI that forgets is faster and more efficient. The epic Apple case reaches the heart of the matter. And Robert Heron tells us if that iPhone TV calibration tool is any good at all. All that and much more dailytechnewsshow.com yeah and i can give you a spoiler alert the answer is no it doesn't it's not <laughs> that useful but yeah really thank, that's interesting it's it's a it's a good listen i still i love listening to robert heron and patrick norton because they remind yeah, me yeah, of yeah. the old dltv podcast days along with cranky geeks um i remember watching episodes of those on my video ipod circa 2000 and what five 2006 good day have you still got your old ipods i've got a lot of them I don't oh, know if I've got what a that. collection! Yeah, I've got a lot of old stuff in boxes and drawers somewhere. But um, I, do I still, still wish I had a, an iPhone, an original iPhone. Yeah, I haven't. I um, I was digging out some spares. Um, funnily enough, for um, a particular person in our live chat room now, and unfortunately, it turns out that some of the charging sockets in these old phones they kind of warp. Oh really? And they yeah, and they get a kind of um like a green um I don't know what it is, it's like a discoloration that's something to do with Well, presumably an oxidization of some kind. 
Yeah, it's really weird. And like there is, it seems to just kill these technology, these things. Like they're just, they're broken. They just, they can't be fixed. I was told they could use yeah. some al- like alcohol on it and it's just, it's absolutely, absolutely dead. Uh, well, I've got, um, I, I found my W500 the other day in a box. Sony, Sony Ericsson? Yeah. Oh. I remember. And, and, and you know what made me laugh about it? I was looking at it. I was like, hold on a minute. I'd forgotten this. There's no headphone jack on this music player phone. And of course there wasn't. It was a dongle. Sony Ericsson were doing dongles excessively way before Apple ever got in on the dongle action. And there were far fewer options back then for headphones. I mean, you could get Bluetooth headphones, but they weren't very good. Um, you know, these Sony Ericsson had that those uh, proprietary um, uh, headphone suckers, didn't they? That sort of yeah, they did. It was it was like a, a you know, strip of connections. Well, it was a charging port and all that kind of stuff, and and data transfer. But yeah, it was, and then you had to have a little, um, you know, like a a breakout dongle so yeah it, it, this was nothing new the fuss that was made about apple apple giveth the headphone jack and apple taketh away mm. rabble 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 they took our jacks all right uh thank you tom thanks everyone and if you enjoyed this episode do please consider backing us on uh, patreon you get our full length extra message sorry you get our full length ad free show you get extra message with the aforementioned uh, conversation about email experiments what else do you get? You get listen live and all the other stuff. Um, you can find out more at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Uh, but thank you as well to everyone who is listening to us for free still. And if you have a urge to leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, that is still the best way of helping support the show for no money. It's just as helpful as backing us on Patreon in many ways um, and helps other people discover the program. Uh, maybe tell a friend or a colleague or someone you hate. You know, maybe they'll hate us too. They hate you. No. Does that work? I don't know. Whatever. I'm hungry. It's tiring doing a podcast. Cheerio, everybody. Thanks, Ian. Stay pliant. Bye. Stay slippery. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.